you got to get up with purpose every day and you have to be disciplined. And and if you can't, it's going to be really, really hard to be that great leader, great business owner that you want to be. Hello there and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name's Rick Nusky. I'm your host. It's so great to be back with you. We have a bit of a break in between calls. It's kind of nice to refresh. I don't know about you, but it certainly helps me to, uh, you know, I guess, reinvigorate myself for this wonderful call that we have today. Now, I just want to say a thank you very much for all of your support. I love reading through the feedback and watching some of the video feedback we're getting as well nowadays. So that's very exciting. So keep that coming through. And now on today's show, I have the pleasure of welcoming CEO and co-founder of the shift spot, Mr. Ken Paskins. Welcome to the show, Ken. Rick, thanks. Great to be here. Real pleasure. Yes, Appreciate thank, it. Yes, thank you again. Now, you and I are going to be talking about how CEOs can make radical shifts that unlock next level results inside their business and in yep. their life. But um, yep. I guess it's somewhat customary for us, Ken, to spend a bit of time learning a bit, a bit about yourself. So where are you calling in from today? I'm coming just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, so Sandy Springs area, which I, I don't expect you to know, but I think some of our, our uh, stateside the, the guests will. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I will look, I've been to the States a number of times, so I know a little bit about okay. the place. So it's certainly a large place, that's for sure and certain. But yeah. have you lived there all your life? I have not. Born and raised in the Midwest in Indiana, Colorado for about 12 years, been here for roughly 18 well, tell us a little bit about life growing up as a kid. Can you remember it? And do you have any positive things? Oh, that you geez, can share do I remember us? all of it? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, Ken, because the only rule I ever had growing up is that we had to be be home by the time the lights came on. Similar. For yeah, you? yeah, yeah. So you know, I grew up in a small Midwest town where everybody knew each other, just north of Indianapolis. Uh, cornfields everywhere, right? So I uh, grew up with a very strong work ethic, sort of uh, literally working out in, in the fields and with the farmers, if you will, when I was age 10, making money. Um, my father and his grandfather and his father were all entrepreneurs. Um, you know, my dad had a lot of a, a lot of ups and downs, to be quite honest, as a businessman, which which set me in my path in life, where he would uh, put. And they took a lot of risks. You know, he put a lot of money on red thirty seven and roll the dice, and sometimes it'd be boom. And yep. uh, literally, my mom would come to me as a ten year old and ask to borrow money for the phone bills. Oh wow! And then there would be other times he'd hit it out of the pet park and make a ton of money, but. Um, Grew up there, went to Purdue University, graduated, then moved to Colorado and spent some time there and, and uh, started my professional track and then moved my family here to Georgia. Yeah, so. fantastic. Now, do you like pets? Did you have any pets in your life growing up? Uh, a lo lots. Boy, you're hitting one of my famous areas, actually. So. <laughs> So, uh, look, look, I'll just embarrass myself, but I had, I had lots of pets and dogs and all that. And I was a 4-H guy, uh, which, which are, are, you know, some of the folks here will know what that is. And I had a state champion rabbit, believe it or not, Rick, an actual oh. state champion rabbit. So, yes. I would ne I've never heard anything like that, but I certainly have heard about somebody very special in your life. Now, tell us yeah. about the operational dog in charge, Mr. Tucker. Mr. Tucker. Okay, well, thanks for pointing that out. Yes, he's uh, he's my current current lab. He's a uh, pointing hunting lab. Uh, he's actually retired. He's about fourteen years old, going he's on beautiful. fifteen. But uh, great dog, and you know, labs are phenomenal animals. So. Yeah. Now, well, look, um, I know that we all have some hobbies, I guess, when we get a bit of downtimes and the things we like yeah. to do. Do you like hobbies or sports? What's your thing? I do. I, I, anything outdoors. So when honestly, when it hits winter here and it turns dark about 5 p.m., I, I start to hi hibernate. But once it gets spring, I love to run. I love to bike. I love to swim, fish, do a lot of boating and everything. So really just about anything outdoor that you can imagine. 
So tell us, um, does it get very cold where you live? You know, a lot of people think it doesn't, but it does. I mean, it will get it will get in the teens um, yep. Fahrenheit, so you'll have to do the conversions there for for, for uh, Celsius. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, I forget the equation. I think it's divided by one point eight and subtract thirty two or somewhere yeah, around yeah. there. It's ones. not much different. Yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah, it, it can get chilly here, so it can also get very hot too. Now, I know that you're also an avid chef. I love cooking. I'm probably not very good at it, but tell me, you know, where did this love for cooking come from? Generations. And honestly, one of the reasons that I did not get in the restaurant business. So uh, my my great-grandfather uh, owned a restaurant, and he, he was actually, I don't know if you have this where you're at, but some of the folks here, but during the Great Depression, he invented, his name was Beanie, and he invented a thing called Beanie's Weenies, which oh. is be beans and and weenies in a yeah, can yeah. and he served, served people during the great depression that uh i think campbell's owns it now he made no money on it i don't know how that took place but he he was actually the founder so yeah, wow. uh, my father then jumped into the restaurant industry as well owned a variety of restaurants a lot of as i stated earlier a lot of boom and bust so it's just been in my bloodline and you know i'm one of those types of guys that i, I don't use a recipe uh, i grow all my own herbs and i'll just find a piece of meat and just Do fix it. it and come up with it and i can go to a restaurant taste something try something and go home and duplicate it and uh yeah people get quite aggravated with that skill set oh, I, I, I love cooking <laughs> yeah no it is a skill set do you have anything in particular you like the most to cook asabuco and probably paella those are wow. those are two things that take a ton of time but i love to cook them and the results are phenomenal yeah fantastic feedback thank you so very much now you you talked about working in the cornfields a little a moment ago that's obviously uh linked directly to uh, at some point in time your first entrepreneurial experience can we just touch yeah. on that again and, and talk a little bit about you know what that did for you having that exposure to i guess somewhat a uh, bit of failure on your i guess your father's part for in a business sense and what did that teach you about your own approach well, so so I think there was a couple of things there. So so I I started working in in the fields because my my dad made a commitment. He's like, look, whatever money you earn as a kid, I'm going to match it. Yep. And um, little did he know I'd earned so much, and I literally earned enough to go out and, and match and buy a black on black uh, 1977 Corvette, which oh. irritated him that I earned so much. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but after you know working in the fields for years, I was one of those kids that you know I owned and created businesses like a painting company and and Owen lawns and all that good and great stuff. But you know, watching my dad go through that. I, I knew that I wanted to go out and learn in corporate America. So um, after I graduated, I, I got into high tech software specifically. And right after 9-11, I, I closed a $40 million software deal with a company by the name of Quest Communications in, in Colorado. Yep. And quite honestly, that was a, the um, springboard for my career. Um, I, was, I was very, I guess, cocky at that age. I was young and successful. And the company that I worked with was uh, gracious enough to uh, recognize that and my, my talent. And they put me in their executive track. And um, I got a lot, I was actually the only salesperson and non-manager in the executive track. And then I just kind of grew uh, professionally from there and, and went to multiple companies and ended up managing teams up to 450 people and P&Ls up to half a billion dollars. So I think I'm giving you more than you asked, but no. that's kind of my cornfield 
through yeah, uh, trajectory that... of corporate America per se. But I knew I didn't. I, I knew I wanted to go out there and learn from others first before doing something on my own, just because I had a lot of drama as a child. Just lights on, lights on phone works, phone and I didn't want to do that to my family. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for the feedback, Ken. Absolutely loving this call. Now, when you uh, look at the people that were around you, you started off with your father early on, then you obviously yeah. went on this executive track you talked about. There must have been some people that guided you through those stages. Now, what about mentorship? What do you think of it? And is it important for people who want to develop professionally? Yeah, mentorship is extremely important, and um, you know I, I've had several several folks I've been fortunate enough to work with through yeah. the, through my career that uh, paid a little extra attention to me, if you will, and guided me, and, and instead of kicking me in the teeth because of my um, I, I, I guess my my thirst to grow even more, they 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 humbled me per se and, and assisted me. But yep. I, I think anybody, you know, to be successful, both, you know, either a solopreneur, entrepreneur, uh, executive or whatever, you definitely need to rely on folks around you to support you, which which quite honestly is one of the things that, that we do at the Chef Spot. So. Yeah, great. And we're going to be talking a lot about that when we shift gears in a moment. Yep. But um, tell me what a day looks like for you. Are you are you an early riser? I'm not necessarily. I I I, I am. <laughs> I, I yeah, I am. And look, you know, Rick, I don't know your age. You look pretty young. I'm guessing you're what thirty two. Um, <laughs> Thanks. So, <laughs> so, so, you know uh, how to rub up a guy the right way. <laughs> but uh, you know. Unfortunately or fortunately, the older we get, the less sleep we need, right? So yep. when we wake up early every morning and go, man, I wish I had two more hours of sleep, but it, heck, I'm up. So yep. anyways, I, I am up early, and I don't know if there is an, uh, an average day, if you will. I start with my coffee like most. I get into to my email like most. I respond to people in social media that you know follow me or, or have questions or whatever, and you know, I generally will review things from a business perspective and then dive into meetings and do podcasts and do events with, you know, with the shift spot or others. But uh, I don't know if I have a set schedule. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I like the fact that you have the ability to make that choice. You know, that time and location freedom must be um, yeah. very empowering. How does that make you feel having that that opportunity? Yeah, I, I love it, and quite honestly, I, I've been fortunate because you know, prior to going from working in big corporate America, and then even after, as I operate as a fractional COO, my, my entire career, I've been remote, right? So, grew up in the software ranks, and your boss is in California, and your teams around the country are international, right? So, and then you know, then going in as a fractional executive and helping companies. I had companies or customers in Puerto Rico, Portland, Oregon, New Hampshire. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So uh, it's it's really it's it's COVID didn't change anything for me. I was accustomed to that. Uh, it was actually kind of funny if I can uh, not to get off track too much, but no, years funny. ago, many years ago, you know, before we did video, it was always phone work, right? Yep. And I would get up, I'd run, I'd be in my shorts, I wouldn't shave and or shower until <laughs> dinner time, wear a yep. hat because yep. nobody knew. And one day, my oldest daughter, who just turned 25 today, it's hard to believe she was probably 10 at that time. Time flies, doesn't it? Somehow it came up like, do you know what dad does? Like, no. Oh, no. Right? And, <laughs> and I had to explain it to her. And then she realized that I was tied to software and tied to sales and salespeople. And she looked at me in disgust, Rick. Like, I, I was just, she was very disappointed. 
right? I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't anything cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, you know, I was like, Hunt, who do you think is paying your bills? How do you think we're turning the lights on? This is, this is what dad does. But, yeah. but anyways, yeah, I digress. No, not at all. Look, this is what gives the My Future Business Show, I guess, a bit of an edge because we talk about these things that matter because there's obviously people behind a business and obviously families and, and things like that. But what do you think, given all the chances that you've taken and the, I guess the story you've just explained to us about your daughters, what do you, your daughters, what do you think they've, they've learned from you as a father, do you think? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And just like all of us, I think we go through evolutions in life, right? So yeah. I'm a very radically different, thank God, uh, person that I was as a teen, as a 20-year-old, as, you know, somebody in my 40s. Um, uh, I, I think uh, I'm like a fine wine, right? Like we all are. Getting and, um, and, you know, I think my daughters have probably seen a, a guy that, and, and I know this because they've shared this with me, a very stable individual, a very loving individual, a very um, caring individual, but also uh, a person that, you know, knows what they want, um, is very committed and dedicated, both, to, you know, family, friends, God and, and country and company. Yep. Right. And it's I, I think they've learned a lot from those disciplines. I mean, my oldest daughter, uh, you know, she was on a track to become a professional ballet dancer and oh, had wow. multiple multiple offers and she actually you know went to indiana university which is believe it or not it's the premier school for ballet in the states very hard to get in 300 girls applied they took four freshmen she was one of them and uh she chose not to and i'm glad because she said dad i choose not to because everybody's anorexia they don't make money and they do cocaine it was like you know oh. good choice yeah wow <laughs> But but anyway, she had that track, and then yeah. my middle one was a triathlete that that you know a bunch of young girls that they were literally training to be Olympians. As a matter of fact, two people on her team mm. were uh, one was a girl that was a starter in Olympics, and a boy was a uh, backup. I guess is the best way to put it. And so you know she she was on a you know she was elite in her area, and then my youngest. Uh, CrossFit and a known name in CrossFit. So mm -hmm. I think they've learned that. And and when I tell people I have three girls, they always look at me and go, boy, I feel sorry for you. But <laughs> they, made, they made great grades. They stayed away from boys. They stayed away from drugs. They stayed away from alcohol. Yeah. And they've got their lives together. My middle one is um, she's moving to Nashville actually next month, and she's going to be an architect, just graduated. So That's I incredible. think they learned a lot of that discipline, focus, and execution from me, which I'm proud of. Yeah, look, well done. Um, obviously a success in that part of your life, in many parts of your life. Thank you very much for the feedback. Now, in terms of moving away from a corporate environment where, you know, you decided you wanted to start the shift spot, there was yep. obviously a risk and you had to take a chance on yourself. You had to make a strategic decision. Hey, look, this is the direction I'm going to take. Yeah. To, what was the experience like making that transition? Well, so it was easy. So right after corporate America, there there is a uh, a gap of about eight years prior to the shift spot as well. So yeah, when I when I made that decision to leave corporate America, it was I was at a stage where I was managing a, a you know PNL of a half a billion and a large team, and I was traveling one hundred fifty thousand miles a year, right? And I remember my admin. I still remember the conversation we were trying to fit more on my calendar. And she said, Ken, the reason you don't have any space is you have 52 pre-planned hours every single week. Wow. So regardless of what would happen, right, you know, things just got piled onto that, right? 
So literally one day I just dropped out and I quit. And then once that happened, I started operating as an advisor and then a fractional COO. And then I started actually working with a bunch of different businesses, right? And owners that were struggling, looking to get to the next level, you know, help, helping them with deals around M&A or PE, PE investments, uh, just struggling hiring people and all of that. And I started to see a lot of these same movies play in and out, Rick. I'm not like, you know, struggling with how do I hire the right people or, you know, how do I scale my company and not understanding how to do, how to add systems and processes to the company versus throwing bodies, understanding, you know, how to make decisions with financial data versus gut and opinion and, and emotions, right? So I saw, saw a lot of this and, and I saw a lot of struggle and I saw a lot of challenge. And by the way, here's an interesting statistic. 50% of CEOs and owners out there learn everything that they know from their own company, right? So they teach themselves about leadership, hiring, firing, finance, and all that. I saw that and then I took my, my childhood history, right? And seeing my father, right, with ups and downs like this. And then I took corporate America and I want to do something different. So the, the shift spot is actually that, you know, it's my full life career evolving into that. Yep. yep. I wanted to surround business owners, you know, and CEOs with all the tools and the things that it takes for them to be successful. So that is, you know, experts, right? That is coaching and, and, and focusing on the areas of leadership and process and operations and et cetera, et cetera. And that, that, beautiful little yes, wheel back it. there talks about yeah. some of the different things that we do but that's a formation of, of the shift spot so yeah, i'm um, pretty excited about it but i didn't just drop out and say hey i'm gonna i'm gonna risk it i'm gonna try something that hasn't worked i've been i've been at this in another angle for years rushing the smaller businesses seeing a lot of these pain points now tell me a little bit uh, it, it could have easily have turned into i guess a bit of a breakdown situation for your health and well-being in general <laughs> Uh, how how important is it, do you think, to look after ourselves and take that bit of a, a time away from business? Yeah, it, it's it's extremely important. And, and um, you know, we and I have always been a believer that without balance of mind, body, and soul, then you can't be the best person that you need to be, right? So, um, you know, and if you notice that I won't go through every component of the wheel, we actually have a balance aspect on there. Right. Yep, so yep. if you join our community, we, we have doctors that will give out advice, right? Going through stress, stressful times, try this, take these vitamins, you know, answer questions in the community, et cetera, right? And, and offer assistance there because, look, I, when, when I was a younger guy, right? So I, I believed in burning the candle at both ends. And yep. I believed that I could get all the results I possibly wanted. And I did not, I, I did not understand or comprehend what burnout is. And I, I do now, not only that, but I see that without that balance and without that ability to step away sometimes, right, and self-reflect and work on yourself and everything, then you're quite simply not going to get the results. You know, you're going to come across uh, poorly as a leader. You're going to, your communication isn't going to be as clear to your employees. Your execution is not going to be as good as it needs to be. So having that balance is extremely important. 
Yeah, great feedback. Now, I know that um, you're obviously a leader in your space and obviously this takes discipline. How important is it for, for the people that you work around and obviously yourself? Because some mornings we might wake up and think, I don't feel like this, but does that matter? And is it more important to be disciplined and get it done anyway? Boy, um, so let me see if I understand your question. So I think what I heard was how important is it for you or others to wake up and be committed to it and is that correct, Rick? I yeah, absolutely. Okay. How important is discipline? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's extremely important. Um, you know, and look, I'll admit I'm human. There's days I've woken up. I'm like, boy, I'd really like to sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> Pull the covers Even back over. We've already established sleeping in doesn't happen, but we like to pretend we might get an extra half hour, hour of sleep. Right? So, so I, you know, I, I'd love that, but it, it, but it doesn't happen. I mean, I yeah. think every day every, we, we've got to have a plan, right? And you got to stay disciplined, you know, to get the results that you want in life, right? Both personally and professionally. And if you don't, then then why do it? Why pretend, right? So, it, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me, you know, my, my triathlete daughter that I referred to earlier, yep, right? Yep. People learn from failure, right? She She was really good but not good enough to go to the Olympics, right? Yeah, so yeah. her friends were good enough to go to the, to the Olympics, but she was really good. And she would get really disappointed sometime. And we, I would never push her like, you must do this, you must win, you must practice, you must do it. It's like, hon, I'm here to support you. Whatever you need, I'll do it. I'll You'll match your enthusiasm, right? So there, she'd get done with races in place like 10. 10 out of 75 girls was always a full event. And um, she would place 10th, and we'd debrief. How do you think you did? Oh, I'm disappointed. So-and-so won. So-and-so did this. So-and-so did What do you think you could have done different? Well, I didn't get as much sleep as I should have this week. I didn't uh, hydrate as much as I should this week. And she would reflect. And I would tell her, I was like, take that, leverage it, do it again, right? But, but focus on what you want, not what you think dad wants or others want. And I think that, you know, that also drives a lot of self-accountability, but, you know, to answer your question, you got to get up with purpose every day, and you yeah. have to be disciplined. And and if you can't, it's going to be really, really hard to be that great leader, great business owner that you want to be. Yeah, this is wonderful. Thanks again for sharing. Now, what what do you think? Um, out of all the things, the sum total of your entire professional life, what do you think you do best? What's the one thing? What do I do best? Um, <laughs> direct oh, feedback, non, direct non-transparent feedback. Call it how it is. Right. Um, leveraging data to make decisions versus emotion. I'm a very non-emotional uh, type leader, right? High D followed by C. If, if you, I'm sure you're familiar with this. Yes. And my, my Myers-Briggs is the executive profile. Um, let's see. Leading, you know, through example and setting clear expectations to those that uh, I want and need results from. I think those are three things that randomly come to come yeah, to mind. Yeah, that's great. Thank you again. Now, tell me about leadership. Is that is it is it the is it the domain of the few or something that everybody should have ownership of? Is it say that, say that one more time, Rick? Please. In term in terms of leadership, is it the domain of just the the top end managers, or does everybody have a role to play as a leader? I think I think I think that anybody that actually has people under them, they have to understand the components of leadership. And I think yeah. too often we uh, confuse that with what management is, meaning task execution, et cetera, where leadership is more setting the vision, right? 
um, creating the communication and the connectivity with the employees, right? Uh, setting clear expectations. But mm -hmm. I, I think, like, look, if you're going to, we'll call it manage, lead, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it, and there is a difference between leading and managing. If you have people under you, you have to understand that, right? And if you don't, you're going you're gonna to suffer from results. You're going to suffer from lack of engagement. You're going to suffer through lack of, uh, you know, poor execution. You're going you're gonna to suffer from employee turnover. Yeah, you have um, uh, obviously a very uh, wide uh, range of skill sets. What's a fractional COO actually mean and do? Yeah, so so as a fractional COO, I mean, my, my job is to get it – I'll tell you what my kids call me, call me the fixer, right? <laughs> so, I mean, literally, literally yeah, yeah. Over, the, over the past eight, you know, eight years or whatever, operating as that, I mean, I, I'm the type of guy that people call, I've got problems, right? And I've, I've got some war stories that would scare the heck out of you from, you know, one guy that had a full-time COO uh, and thinking that he was outgrowing them and they're kind of running the business and he wants me to come in initially and just coach and mentor and everything. And if there was something there, then take over. But he was struggling and they had this conversation. They agreed that they would separate. So after two weeks of getting in there, you know, I, I, I can deep dive quickly and understand. After yes, two weeks of getting in there, I said, hey, you got to fire this person. The guy's like, what? Fire me? Uh, they're critical of my business. They're this or that. you got to fire this person, and here's why. And I couldn't convince him of it. I said, fine, all I can do is advise. It's your choice and how you want to execute. So we agreed to wind them, and I'll keep sex. I'll keep company name. I'll keep everything out of it. Yeah, yeah. Wind them out of the company. During that process of winding them out of the company, Rick, I, I identified that this person embezzled $250,000. Oh, wow. I, I identified that he, day tarnish yeah, the name with employees and also distributors so and in such a poor way that he had actually lawsuits that were piling up against him oh, no. right i identified that this person had four aliases and what i never knew is there's evidently in the states anyways if you want to talk to prisoners there's a prisoner line and a special phone line just for prisoners i i guess it's probably the recording she yeah. was speaking to prisoners and um, we went to an attorney. An attorney said, "Hey, we can, you know, we can go after her, right? She's going to counter sue, and this is what's going to happen. You're probably going to spend a half a million dollars, and then you may or may not win." So the poor guy, we had to actually, you know, unravel his business, if you will, and sell off the IP oh. and then help him spin up something else. But I, I run in. I won't say that's normal. No <laughs> exception. You know, a, a lot of other times, most of the other uh, CEOs that I've worked with are, hey, I've got this company and it's now $10 million. And, you know, I thought it'd get easier at two. I thought it'd get easier at five. I thought it'd get easier at 10. And it's not. I'm, I'm, I'm a bad leader, right? Uh, I, I don't have any processes. Uh, things are out of control. I started this out as a fun, great idea. And it's literally outgrown me. Come help yeah. me. So those yeah. are typically the things that I've gotten involved with, you know, as a fractional COO, go in where people, you you, you wouldn't believe how many CEOs have, have come to me and said, do you think I should actually go backwards and scale backwards? Would it be oh, easier? Right. Yeah. And and oh, they have that thought because it was fun when it's a half million, right? I thought it'd be really fun when it was five million, but now I'm working harder and making less money sometimes than even my employees. Makes you wonder, doesn't it?
Yeah, it, it does. But, you know, but really it's it's helping those individuals, right, and what the what the shift spot does, you know, helping those individuals and rounding them out and giving them the tools that they need to be successful, right, to put those foundational things in place so that they can scale successfully. You know, that story you just shared with me was amazing. It's almost bordering on forensic auditing. You know, there must be so many, so many different elements to obviously your business. Yeah, well, yeah, let me let me add that I did not do any, you know, forensic, you know, investigation yeah, yeah. or audits whatsoever. I fortunately had a fractional CFO in, in there as well. Ah, okay. And uh, so we began to unravel things together, but he was definitely the brain. I was the investigator. He was the brain as the best. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, you know, um, what do they say? Uh, teamwork makes the dream work if you've got the right people. Now, yeah, tell me, love exactly. the name The Shift Spot. Where did that come from? Uh, you know, my, my partner winter, by the way. So, yes. uh, like, like I, I'm not a marketer. I'll, 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 I won't pretend to be one. So <laughs> my, my other company, by the way, that, uh, where, you know, I, I have a consulting practice and it's a, a fractional leaders and I'll just leave it at that, but its name is GCE strategic consulting because I couldn't think of a name. Well, the GC is <laughs> Gabrielle, my daughter. The, the C stands for Chloe, my middle daughter, and the E stands for Emma, right? Of so that, that is the best thing I can come up with. But after, after speaking about just, you know, the events and where I wanted to go and how I wanted to help other leaders and everything and, and business owners, you know, she came up with it. It's just like, why not? Yeah, great. But it's a way, a place where business owners can go and make radical shifts in business and life and have balance and live that life that they choose. So that, that works. I think that's a great segue to talk about the wonderful winter. Tell us about your relationship with winter and uh, and how much she means to you and your business. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate that. So the, the one thing we didn't touch on is I have three beautiful daughters that are very close with, but uh, I, I I got divorced because of chasing my career. Well, so let's mm. just be truthful about yeah, that. So um, winter and I we're we're engaged. We'll be married this September. Um, phenomenal individual. I've uh, been with her for three years, and I'm blessed because my daughters absolutely love and adore her. Great. But um, you know, she's she's uh, she is, as they say, my better half. Uh, yep. You know, we we have we have so much in common. Um, you know that that uh, it's it's scary, right? So she likes she has the same humor I do, same intensity I have, <laughs> uh, the same dreams I have, right? She's just much better looking than me, right? So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By a long way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, I really appreciate this because it gives the, I guess, that human aspect to a business. Like I said earlier, it, the nuts and bolts of business generally don't change that much, but the people certainly do. Now, tell me, yeah. what's what does peer strategy mean, and what what part does it play in the shift spot? What does what peer strategy? strategy. What does strategy mean? No, peer strategy. I, I was yeah. looking through your information. You had information about peer strategy. Oh, okay. So, so I'm not sure. Maybe it was mistyped on my, but peer advisory, maybe. Yeah, I think it, it might be? have been. Okay. Could right. have been gotcha. that. Gotcha. All right. So when when we formed the shift spot, uh, it, it was it was looking at everything out there that supports and surrounds CEOs, yep. right? So I looked at there's a bunch of different systems out there, operating systems like an operating system called uh, Scaling Up or EOS, right? You know, you have a, a expensive fractional guys and leaders like I've served for eight years. You've got professional coaches. Of course, you can go get your MBA or something along those lines. 
Um, you can get an advisory board. You can join Vistage. You can join EO, right? So there's all these ways that owners can get help and everything. So the peer advisory section, right? We have a uh, twice a week, and as the business scales, we'll add more to that uh, section where, and this this takes a component out of Vistage, to be quite honest, yeah. where yeah. CEOs will actually sit in a virtual room and it's professionally facilitated. And we'll look at like some of the top issues that are actually going on in their lives and we'll solve them together. We'll, we'll use a Six Sigma approach. We'll drive down and get to the root cause of it and we'll actually solve it. So, for example, one of, one of the members not too long ago, he has 15 different retail companies. Uh, he's in the alternative health, health area, vitamins mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. And his business was on a downturn and he came to the table and he said, hey, look, you know, I never have had to do a layoff and I'm not getting what I want out of my staff and they're not executing to to, you know, to the to the level that I need. And we actually helped him and in in not just me, but us collectively. Right. Helped him in a variety of areas, but we flipped it upside down. We're like, hey, look, instead of looking at the bottom line, let's look at the top line. What can we do differently? Right. To actually drive revenue. Yeah. So a couple of the, the folks on it came up with some ideas. He went out and launched, uh, I think it was four, it was either three or four new products and changed his approach from a marketing perspective on the website that actually then ended up generating the revenue that he needed. And he did not have to lay off any people. Oh, so, that's so, amazing. Yeah, but you know, so those are things, you know, if we believe and know, and I know working with CEOs that we're, we all have different value adds and components and we're learning through life, if you will, but it's an area where, you know, if, if you've never done a commercial lease, you can bring that up and we can talk through it and collaborate. If you've never been sued, uh, if you have never had to fire, you know, your top employee, how do you mitigate those risks, right? How do you, how do you help the other employees understand that it's for the best interest of them and the company? But that's what that section is. You know, what I notice about you, Ken, and obviously Winter, you come armed with experience. You can't buy it. You can't <laughs> get a, you can't get a well-rounded experience right. unless you yeah. live through it. And I yeah. think that's what a lot of your clients are obviously experiencing. Now, tell me a couple of things. Um, who is your best type of client? Who, who do you like working with? We'll start there. Um, Number one, it has to be somebody that knows that they don't have all the answers and they, they want to learn, right? They want to learn. Um, they want to learn personally and professionally and they strive and desire to grow and achieve, but they know that something's missing, right? Not a very good fit for I know it all. As a matter of fact, if you're the, you're the old saying, if you're the smartest in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Um, Typically, typically what I will call a small business, although small, you know, in the United States, a lot of people hear that and go, oh, small. Small in the United States makes up 98% of all the companies out oh, there, yeah. right? Yep. So which 98% which are 100 employees or below, 89% are 20 employees or below. And typically we work with CEOs, founders, co-founders, yep. people who start the business that have 10 years or less of experience, right? And, and business experience, right? These are the folks that, you know, that like, like my father and others, but you know, so if, if you fit that from a size perspective, if you fit that from, I desire to get the results that I need and deserve, right? And if you want to challenge yourself and grow and be a part of something and work with others as well, 
then you know this this is a home for you. If you don't, then hey, there's lots of other great places. There's always <laughs> another another path forward. Now, yeah. you obviously uh, help people stop digging when they realize they're in a hole. How does it make you feel when you see that transformation? Uh, it, 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 it's it's huge, actually. It's it's yeah, it's it's great. It's a lot of fun. So I, I you know um, it, because I, I have the the saying that. A lot of a lot of CEOs, you know, get just get tired of beating their head against the wall, and oftentimes they will find themselves surrounded by individuals of yes men and women as well, right? Yeah. And um, they they because I think a lot of times if they're the executives and their team as we grow the organization are scared to speak up or whatever, they don't understand their their space properly within the system to help the entire business grow, right? So, you know, I see a lot of CEOs that crave and thirst that critical feedback, that critical support, that mm -hmm. that, that discipline and directness as well. And it, when you can make that switch and help them see something different and help them stop beating their head against the wall and stop the bleeding, it's very rewarding. Yeah, because you obviously have forged real relationships that obviously last a, quite a long time. You've you've built a membership and a community around it. Tell yeah. us a little bit about, um, I guess, how you onboard new clients and what's the experience like for them? Yeah, so the, the onboarding is, you know, what we do at first is we'll schedule a call and we've got a little video that takes you through a checklist and I'll keep the tactics out of it. Yeah. And then we will actually do a gap analysis and a gap analysis, which is something I actually formed in my other business and doing what I've done through the years, but it's exhaustive and, and you don't have to do all of it, but the more you do, the more we can help you. But it's made up of 200 questions, right, Rick? And also I have some CEOs say, this is scary. I only know 10% of these, but I will run through things such as, do I have, uh, you know, um, financial controls in place? Yes or no. And do I even know what that means? Right. Do I have employee onboarding in place? Right. Some of these very simple, some of them harder. Uh, how much of my revenue comes from 20% of my company or, or my clients? So we'll, mm. we'll look at sales. We'll look at marketing. We'll look at systems. We'll look at, we'll look at operations and processes. We'll look at HR. We'll look at finance. We'll look at all those areas. And then we'll identify some of the areas of opportunity, if you will. Right. So, you know, look, you, you say that you have employee issues. Well, you have, no onboarding, you have no coaching or mentoring, you're not giving critical feedback, you're not setting expectations correctly, you're lacking here, you're lacking here, you're lacking here. So that would help us actually identify where they can get the most value. So once we do that, we'll also then schedule a weekly accountability call. So mm -hmm. short and sweet, 15 minutes, um, you know, we'll hit two key things. What's top priority this week personally, and what's top priority this week professionally, and, and then also ask them what they had to do in the community or what they need from the community, and that's it. So they'll do that 15-minute call. Uh, their choice on the other events. So every week we have a um, we have an expert come in and speak. This is all separate, but they sign up through the app and in the community, and they'll get uh, expertise. Like this month, by the way, is all around marketing. Next month is all human capital, right? And then I've broken down the uh, the issues section where we help them solve and get to their problems, but. We're actually just, just so you know, Rick, Rick, this month and next what month, we've never done this before, but we've got sort of a sneak peek event. And I'm sure there's a better term from that from a marketing perspective. <laughs> yep. But people can see it. So, yep, um, yep. you know, if, if they go to the shiftspot.com forward slash grow event, 
this month is is all free and by the way the guy that is doing it the cmo is all about marketing how to achieve out remarkable uh, results in today's economy and environment. I just butchered what it was. My marketing folks are going to kill me. <laughs> anyways, he uh, he's a, a, a very well-known CML. He actually created the little jingle around J.G. Whitworth um, and, you know, uh, as part of the Oprah show, and he's done some pretty big things. Um, so we've got him this month, and then next month is all about human capital. So how to communicate across different, um, you know, uh, generations, right? How to attract and retain the right talent. So we're going to open that up to the public. If any of your listeners want to just go check out the shiftspot.com forward slash grow event. So I, I know I expanded, you asked, what is my journey? The journey is gap analysis, get your accountability coach, and then sign up and join events. And by the way, we don't expect you to join everything. We have 144 events annually, right? Wow. It's all recorded. That content is all stored in the app itself. You can go in the app. You can communicate with other members, and you can watch it at your leisure also. So you're doing some wonderful work. You build a community. The Shift Spot is making some dramatic changes in people's lives. It's fa factually transforming them. You've got a lot of people helping other people inside the community. It's a yes. real credit to you. So if anybody's on this call today, you're interested in uh, the work that Winter and Ken are doing at the Shift Spot, make sure you visit theshiftspot.com. And with that, Ken, thank you so very much for joining me on the My Future Business Show today. Rick, it's a great pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on.